So we're looking at a very appropriate Christmas theme here the last few weeks, Emmanuel, God with us. Last week we chose to explore, or we explored how God chose to be with us in weakness. That when Jesus took on humanity, he did it in a way to be able to feel what we feel. The God of the universe incarnated to be with us and subject to shame, rejection, lacking the resources necessary, you could call it a real poverty, living on the run for his life even as a baby, forced to live in total insecurity about the present and uncertainty about the future. And like us in those trials and temptations, he faced those weaknesses but unlike us, he conquered them without sin. And so while fully feeling all the testing and tempting that we face, he emerged triumphant. And therefore, as the conquering king, there's a throne of grace that he has established where he wants us now to exchange our weakness for his strength. So we looked at that, we dove deep into that last week, and now this morning we're gonna in a sense, emphasize the throne of grace, peace, and explore how even in these first Christmas passages, Emmanuel, God is with us in power. From the peasant to the priest, and everywhere in between. Power not in the traditional sense of title, or position, or military might, but God with us in order to make possible what is impossible. The Christmas story in Luke in particular highlights this in a very interesting and, and beautiful way, really showing us this, that God is inaugurating a, a new era, a new era of grace, how we can expect the Holy Spirit to be interacting with us. All of this Christmas passage, all of these Christmas passages where the Holy Spirit is interacting with all sorts of different kinds of people, again, from priest to peasant, so to speak, it's a foreshadowing of the book of Acts, written by the same author, Luke, who would show that at the coming of the Holy Spirit, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, the Spirit of God is being poured out on all flesh. Men, women, old, young, rich, poor, slave, free, the full gamut of humanity. That's the picture that's meant to be painted there. That all, now that the veil is torn, all are recipients of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, upon us, and through us to make the impossible possible. And we see some of the first fruits so to speak, in the Christmas characters that I want to highlight that are meant to be direct encouragements for us. That if we find ourselves in their shoes or in their plight or in their situation, that it's the same Holy Spirit 
the same Jesus, yesterday, today, and forever, that wants to incarnate. He wants to be with us. He wants to show us Emmanuel, God with us in power, just like them. Because we do something too often, too easy in the scriptures where we see these characters as superheroes that aren't like us. And that misses the point of, no, <laughs> they are broken, they're sinners, they're weak, they face all the same trials and temptations, and they need the same God with them that we need God with us to make the impossible possible. So if their lives can be transformed by the power of the Spirit, if their lives can be touched by God with them in power, so can ours. So I want to encourage you from the beginning as we read these different Christmas stories and their characters, put yourself in their shoes and by faith say, that's me. Amen. When I faith face that kind of situation, that's me. Because it's the same God who is available to me today. If not more so, because of now through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus and the veil being torn and the Holy Spirit being poured out. That's why Jesus would say, you know, even though the Holy Spirit was on John the Baptist, he was, he's least in the kingdom of God compared to what's coming. So we have access and God available to us in even greater ways than these heroes in the early Christmas stories. So be encouraged as we read them and hear them about what God wants to do in your life right now and in the time to come. So let's start with Mary. Luke 1, 35 to 38. The angel answered her, so she, the angel had already revealed that she will be with child just because we're going to hit four characters, summarizing a little bit or getting to the punchline, so to speak, of what we'll highlight today. Notice the activity of the Holy Spirit. That's going to be the, the key unifying thread in all of the characters. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For, no, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The Holy Spirit's interaction with Mary shows us that one of the new normals of God with us, Emmanuel with us, the Holy Spirit with us is God is with us in power, so expect that nothing will be impossible with God. That's a direct promise, encouragement from the angel. Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. And obviously for Mary, that has a very particular context where she's going to have to apply a trust 
in that word. She's been told she will be conceiving a son by the power of God with no earthly father. And also to add to that, her cousin Elizabeth, who was barren and now beyond childbearing years, will be given birth to a son. As I was pondering both of those realities where nothing will be impossible with God, I kind of feel like there's two strands there of faith that this invites us to explore in our life. The Mary strand, so to speak, is that big level, you could say kind of like earth-moving, revival-bringing faith that says, God, I am looking for you to just change the world, and I want to be a part of it. It's like this big picture, city-changing type transformation revival faith, which we should all have, right? Like God wants us to believe for the impossible on things that see this broken, fallen, hurting world radically transformed. Like those big goals, so to speak. Huge goals. And then there's another aspect of faith in Elizabeth that is demonstrated where God is now inviting us to believe for the impossible in those nitty-gritty, secret, private, painful areas of life where we've lost hope. As in Elizabeth, a barren woman who in that culture, there was shame upon her. She felt like a failure. She felt like God was against her. She felt like she wasn't good enough. And so it's, it's, in a sense, it's public because people know, but it's about her identity. She feels low in worth. She feels like God must not be with her. And so it's very personal. It's very private. It's very painful. And it's daily. It's not like this surprise out of nowhere where Mary's like, hey, God thinks you're like the greatest person on the planet, so you're getting blessed with this unbelievable, awesome thing. But you gotta believe for it. That's cool. We wanna be a part of that stuff, right? But what about where I'm like, I don't even know if God likes me, and I feel shame on a daily basis, and I'm reminded of it every day, and it's like, God, where is God right now? And the angel comes and speaks about Elizabeth and how God is with her for the impossible. And so for us, if we're wobbling in our faith or if we've let go of that dream, so to speak, or that prayer of faith and we're, we're carrying with us kind of that secret private pain of does God care? Is God gonna come through? Elizabeth is one of those examples for you to grab onto about how God cares about the, the nitty gritty, the grinding it out every day, the prayer that doesn't seem answered, the private pain, and the Holy Spirit's message is the same to you. Nothing is impossible with God. He is with you in a new way now. And now we get to fast forward that in Christ and say, oh yes, he is. He is with me in a new way, a new thing. 
where the past can be completely behind me and the new era of grace is mine. I'm receiving that today. Nothing is impossible with God. Or another way to say it that I like to rephrase that a little bit is the impossible is possible. That's actually the way Jesus said it a little bit later in Matthew. That the, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So the impossible becomes possible, and here's the crazy thing. That's supposed to be what we carry as an expectation of normal. I know you feel the impossible. And Mary and Elizabeth are giving us encouragement and examples of yes. And then your next step is to say, and I will expect what is impossible to become possible through Christ, through God with me in power. So it's a healthy challenge for us to walk and to say, as needed, because it's right there in the Bible, I believe, help my unbelief. <laughs> help me grow in this kind of faith that is honest about those impossibilities and then rises up to say, but God, I expect what is impossible on my strength, it is possible with you, and you're moving, you're working. Amen. Moving on to Elizabeth, as an additional kind of encouragement, in Luke 1, We'll go 39-ish to 45. It says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. There's the key phrase. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. The Holy Spirit's interaction with Elizabeth shows us that a new normal by the Holy Spirit is that God is with us in power to heighten our awareness of the spiritual realities all around us. Now, this is a really good one, a really fun one so to speak. The Holy Spirit is, is bringing this new normal where it's this adventure. I mean, we, we even kind of talked about it a little bit here, here this morning in that prophetic word, so to speak. There's this heightened awareness of the spiritual realities that are all around us already. So Dawn felt like there was a prophetic word that she, she, she shared, she felt, she shared, having, having to do with 
angel armies being released in greater measures on our behalf. And then Paxton is off in la-la land of some kind of little, little vision of the same thing, maybe, right? And Alicia sees that and comes over to him with a heightened awareness that more than what I see in the natural is happening right now. And it's just, you have no other way to explain it other than a heightened awareness. I mean, to look over at a little kid kind of just looking, I don't know, you could say bored, right? I mean, you know, a little kid's just doing this in church. So what? Like, they all do that. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's nothing in that particular look that says, oh, I bet that little kid's getting a vision right now. Right? That's a heightened awareness of what's going on in the spirit behind the natural. And then she comes over and takes a risk, so to speak, to check in with him, share, and kind of snaps him into like, oh yeah, actually, I was at a place of heightened awareness of what's going on in the spirit, not just the natural, you know, stargazing that I do normally on Sunday mornings. <laughs> you put those things together and it just becomes this just little beautiful moment of now God with us, we get to live not just based on the natural. And praise God, right? Like it's such a privilege that the Holy Spirit wants to interact with us. That's what he did with Elizabeth. From what we see in the biblical story, Elizabeth and Mary had no knowledge of one another being pregnant up to this point, or no interaction about it. Elizabeth had no knowledge. The angel had told Mary, and that's why she went to visit. But you know, there's no texting, there's no Instagram, there's no social media, they live far away, it's dangerous, so Mary had to plan a journey. And Elizabeth had, had no idea of what Mary was carrying. And yet the moment Elizabeth sees Mary, she just doesn't say to her, in the natural, wow, Mary, you're pregnant. Wait a second, you're not married yet. That's bad in our culture, shame upon you. That's what her natural response should have been. That's why, as we looked at last week, Joseph was scared of the shame. Mary was scared of what it was gonna mean. So this is a big deal. Elizabeth doesn't see the natural at all. She sees Mary and, and she gets filled with the spirit as the baby leaps for joy and she says, blessed are you that is carrying, what is her direct phrase? Blessed are you among women, blessed is the fruit of your womb and oh, the joy it's granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. That makes no sense in the natural like, oh, wow, you're pregnant. You don't have a husband. I bet you're carrying the Messiah. <laughs> okay, like, this, that's we got to be real about what's going on in the Bible. This is a way heightened sense of what's going on in the spirit. And it's like, this is such a beautiful way to live. I want to live that way. I want to live like Paxton and Alicia. Like, I want to live where... I don't just have to go through life 
on my own strength, in purely the natural, the material, so to speak, disconnected from what the Bible describes as the even greater reality than the natural good creation that God created. And that's the spirit realm, the spiritual reality. That's what Jesus would hint to as the kingdom of God, as it already is in heaven, where God's will is done perfectly all the time, as it already is in heaven. That's the spiritual reality that's even greater than anything and everything we see. And Jesus came to bring holy collisions of that already done and perfect spiritual reality into our imperfect, broken, hurting world that needs a savior and needs a touch of heaven. And, and this is one of those examples. It's subtle, but it's so beautiful. I mean, I truly think one of the most powerful things we could do as followers of Jesus every single day is wake up with that heart posture that says, God, by your Holy Spirit with me in power, heighten my awareness to your realities. I don't want to live in just my realities or the broken and fallen realities. I want to be in tune, in touch with your realities so then I can be a part of that, those beautiful holy collisions each and every day in your beautiful ways. So there's an invitation through Elizabeth for us. Is that are, are you expecting these kind of new normals that the Christmas characters invite us into. This new normal of a deeper, heightened awareness of God's realities. It's a beautiful, fun, <laughs> it's a fun way to live. I mean, it's, it's an adventure, it really is. What a privilege. Another one is uh, from Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah. Now, speaking of fun, God has a sense of humor. He gave him the shot. As the priest, the book of Luke opens with a, the angel appearing to the priest, the holy one, and the man, right? So he's the guy. And he's been, he's been it's told that his son, is going, that his wife is going to bear a son, and he is going to be a prophet, a forerunner to the Messiah. And in all of his great maturity, he balks and laughs at the angel and <laughs> says, that's really not possible. My wife and I have been trying for a long time. It hasn't worked. And so in God's grace and in God's sense of humor, so that Zechariah couldn't mess it up, he makes him mute. So we're not one to, to say that God casts diseases upon people, but in rare instances of wonderful comedic divine irony, he'll make you mute if you need to shut up to not screw it up. So, thankfully it's never happened to me. Right? <laughs> Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, so, the, the baby is born. John is born, and the family asks, 
since Zechariah can't speak anymore, God has, by his grace, removed him from the equation. So he asks, uh, so the family asks Elizabeth, what should his name be? And she says, John. And then the family looks to Zechariah to confirm, even though that's not really a family name, that's not acceptable, that would be more like a, a God-given name about his destiny. And it says that Zechariah asks for a little tablet to write on and confirms, not begrudgingly, but with joy, yes, my wife is right, his name shall be John. And immediately, God confirms what husbands know deep down but don't want to admit. Your life will be much better if you just admit from the beginning your wife is right and he can talk again. His tongue is loosed because he agreed with his wife. <clears throat> so, here's where I want to focus. Now, it says in verse 67, and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, here we go. So God has grace, right? You can mess up, but God still loves you. His grace is still upon you. And because God immediately blesses him, fills him with the Spirit. What I want you to see, though, let's see it ahead of time. Holy Spirit's interaction with Zechariah shows us a new normal, which is God is with us in power in order to reveal his heart. You could say his prophetic heart, what he's doing, and give us boldness to declare it as a victory before it's happened. This is big. Watch how it happens. Father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God. Well, let's just make sure we don't overlook that phrase. And prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. So now he's talking about his son. To give knowledge of the salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Beautiful word. A declaration of victory before it has come to pass. His son has just been born. John the Baptist prophesies of victory before it has happened. It's a baby. It hasn't happened yet. So these are bold words about what will take place place the victory of God in his life. Additionally, and even more importantly, he prophesies about the victory of the baby in Mary's womb, that he is the long-awaited Savior who will redeem us from our foes and save us from our sins. That is a bold declaration to make about a child 
who hasn't even survived childbirth yet, which in that day and age is a seriously dangerous event. So he's declaring victory before it has come to pass. He is not a hero different from you or I. Jesus said in Mark 11, 22 to 24, whoever speaks to these mountains with faith and does not doubt and says, go move into the sea, they will be cast into the sea. And he says, surely I say to you, whatever, Mark eleven twenty four, 24, whatever you ask in prayer, believe as if you have already received it. Listen to the tense here. Believe as if you've already received it. Say, Nick, we're gonna pause for a moment. Hello, holy uh, brother in Christ. Back from, what are you, the 1600s? Resurrected for just today to continue in his generous spirit of passing out gifts to children like Jesus did. Amen. Good to see you, brother. Speaking of gifts, listen to what Jesus says. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Therefore, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you have received it. So that's past tense. It's already happened. And then Jesus says, and it will be yours. If that wasn't in the Bible, I wouldn't say anything near that. That's, that's crazy talk, right? I mean, that's, that's wow. That is way up here authority that Jesus says is for you. Believe you received it and it will be yours. That's that heightened sense of what has already what already exists in the spirit. That's why Jesus teaches us to pray in the Lord's prayer as it already is in heaven. That's the past tense. As it already is in heaven, past tense. Be- pray as you and believe that you have received it because it's already done in the spirit so also on earth. It will be yours. So this is, this is Navy SEAL stuff here in the Christian life. This is not easy, and I'm not trying to make light of it in any way. I just want to point out the good news of the scriptures that Christmas, even a guy who's waffling in his faith to the point that God has to help him out by shutting him up, Even that guy, even that kind of faith, come on now, you should feel a little better. Even that kind of faith can very quickly turn into this beautiful, bold declaration based on God's character and promises, and that's the key. That's why we gotta get in the word. That's why we gotta know his character, know his will, that's why Jesus says, you know, <laughs> that's our, our prayer is, your will be done. And in, that's not meant to be a question mark on our end. Oh, Lord, if it's your will. That's exactly the opposite of how Jesus taught you to pray. He taught you to know his will as it already is in heaven and declare it with faith. So do we got to do some humble work to get to know his heart and his will? 
Yes. Welcome to the journey of being a disciple. But prayers to say, well, whatever your will is, is literally the opposite of the point of Jesus' teaching us to pray. It's no, get to know my will so you can partner with me in bringing it to earth by faith. Now, like I said, this is Navy SEAL stuff, but that's okay. That's the journey that we're on. So we're not, no one here is intended to be like, oh man, I could never do that. I mean, come on, that's the point of Zachariah looking like a fool so that we could get encouraged that if God can use that guy, he can use me. To move into that place of, of faith-filled, bold declarations in prayer based on his character, his nature, his will, where before it comes to pass, we're praising God that it's already come to pass. And we keep praying, declaring, praising ushering it in from God's kingdom onto earth. So see that as an invitation into the kind of faith that God has designed you for. The kind of God with you in power that he's designed you for. And if you're not there yet, which none of us are, certainly not in the fullness, that's okay. See that as the invitation to what is possible with him and get excited to take more steps on the journey. Amen? Amen. Is that, that good news? It's not, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not shame. It's yes, that's my destiny as a beloved child of God. All right, our last one here. Simeon. Not often recognized as a Christmas character, but he is. So there's the story of Mary and Joseph taking baby Jesus up to the temple to present him in Jerusalem to make a, a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves, two young pigeons. So in a way, it's almost like the uh, baby dedications that we do. And so they take baby Jesus up to Jerusalem into the temple to make this dedication, to make this sacrifice. And there's this interesting little character. I don't say little, that's, that's a pejorative. There's this interesting character that kind of comes out of nowhere that's beautiful, powerful. Now there was a man in Jerusalem, this is Luke 2, 22, named Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. So that's our ding, ding, ding. That's a good thing. And it had been, listen to this, whoo-wee. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Yeah, it's like, gotta think about that. Is there anyone else in the entire Bible other than Mary and Joseph, and now Elizabeth and, and uh, who's a wacko guy? Yeah, Zechariah. <laughs> and this guy's Simeon, just out of nowhere. I mean, that's where it's kind of like he's this wandering, kind of just 
I don't mean the word peasant in a bad way, but in the sense of just like, he's like a nobody, so to speak. He just hangs around the, the temple in devout worship. As far as we know, he has no position, title, authority. He's just a, a worshiper. And yet he's got this private, personal connection with God <laughs> where God told him that he would see the Lord's Christ, the Messiah, before he died. It's like, what? It's that special, personal connection. God wants to tell you secrets as you show yourself devoted to him. And it goes on to say, he came into, it came in the spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. And Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people in Israel. If you look at that for the face value of what it is, again, that, that, is, that is weird in person. Mary and Joseph go into the temple to present, to make sacrifice, to present their child to God, saying a dedication to God. And this guy comes out of nowhere. He's got no position, no title. He's not a priest. Like, what is he doing? And he scoops up the baby and lifts him up. God, here's the fulfillment of your promise to me. That is weird. And it's God. God is not afraid of looking like a fool or making you look like a fool. But do you want God on your side? <laughs> Sometimes we've got to be willing to look a little bit foolish in front of the eyes of man to follow through on a personal, beautiful, glorious, fun adventure that God has for us. I mean, that's to me the takeaway from Simeon here is not, you can see the same truth with Elizabeth, the heightened awareness of the spiritual realities of life, but that word adventure comes out. It's like, man, Simeon didn't have anything that, according to what we hear, the world would be attracted to or envious of. He just kind of seems to have no position or title or influence, and he hangs around the temple just worshiping God. But God has a different value system, and he sees that devotion. He sees that upright heart longing for the Messiah. So he says, Simeon, I'm gonna tell you a secret. No one else knows. My Messiah's coming. And I'm going to show him to you. So it's like, so stick with me on this adventure. And so when the Messiah comes, 
into the temple as a baby. Now again, this stuff's going to be happening all the time. Parents bringing babies into the temple is a routine part of the law. So parents with babies rolling in as something Simeon probably sees every day. But he's got that heightened spiritual awareness. And so this child walks in and it's kind of like that glowing moment. He's like, there he is. There is the Messiah. Heightened awareness of God's realities where he's just going to his normal thing, going into the temple, going to worship. And he's like, oh, there he is. There's the Messiah. So he goes over and he, with joy, blesses God. I mean, what a beautiful adventure. And that's that invitation for us is the Holy Spirit is making a new normal where he never ever wants you to be able to say, man, this life of following Jesus is kind of boring. That's on you. Because God's crazy fun. <laughs> and I'm emphasizing crazy. <laughs> Meaning he's like, whoa, are you really? Like, you're gonna, it's, it's, it's not gonna be boring. It's gonna be a wild adventure that might cost me looking like a fool, but there will be an exhilaration, a killing of my pride instead of caring what man thinks of me and living to please man, I'm gonna follow God's adventure and be filled with the exhilaration of the Holy Spirit showing me supernatural realities and allowing me to be part of God's supernatural plan. But I gotta be willing to die to myself. I knew you were starting to clap and now you're not gonna clap. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'll die to self. What an adventure, though. This is the invitation. Fun, fun little story. So Wednesday night, we went with the kids to, uh, we took the youth group to the, to the movie, to see the chosen movie about Mary and Joseph, and uh, had all of our leaders there as well. And just a fun, just quick little adventure story right now. So we're walking to the movie out of the food court, and a, a gentleman uh, approaches us. Actually, he's sitting down. He kind of shouts to our group going by. He's like, hey, will you buy me a beer? And Marisol and Pat turn to him and say, sure, come on, let's get, no, just kidding. Marisol, Marisol and Pat were there with us, some of our youth leaders. And Marisol just turns immediately and she says, no, but would you like to join us for a Christmas movie? and immediately starts something. Now, long story short, Pat and Marisol come to me this morning and they're glowing. They, are, they can't finish each other's sentences fast enough about the adventure of what then took place, ultimately culminating in after the movie, they are laying hands as we practice and preach and teach and equip here on the spot. They've talked to him enough, shown enough love, earned his trust, pray for him on the spot, prophesy to him about his life and God's heart and goodness. And this man is crying in public 
sharing his heart, sharing his real name with them, which he had hidden with the mask on, and then it came off because I believe he felt the presence of the love of the one in whom you can take your masks down. And they are glowing. It's not because Pat thinks he's going to win the chili cook-off contest. (laughs) It might help. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say something even better than that was the adventure of that moment right there. Where it's like you have, you have any and every reason to be like, oh, just, uh, you know, oh, no, thanks. Oh, you look a little scary. Oh, that's a little weird. Oh, we got kids. 105 different reasons why just to keep going. And that's to me the, if you want the adventure, you have to be willing to be interrupted. And that's the beautiful example and the glowing effect. Jesus is inviting all of us, like Simeon, where people know on the outside or don't, whether it's public, private, personal, it's about that willingness to say, God, I want your adventure, your mission, and I'm available. Let's close our time with a little prayer just be asking the Holy Spirit. Are we willing to say yes this season and in the new year to the different invitations that the Holy Spirit has for each of us? And in some sense, we can circle back to Mary and say, can we be like Mary in whatever God invites us into that we could respond like she did. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That is the ultimate perfect disciple response. I'm here, I'm available, yes, to your word. What's your response? Yes. God says, I went, yes. <laughs> Wouldn't it be so great if we could get so good at yes, God doesn't even finish his sentences. Let's take a moment. Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you would be highlighting to us one of these people, one of these characters, one of the, the truths from your word that we've explored today. in how you are wanting to invite us to say yes to you. Maybe it's Mary to just believe and expect that the impossible is possible. Maybe it's Elizabeth to have those heightened spiritual awarenesses. Maybe it's Zechariah to boldly declare victory before it's come to pass and keep believing until it comes to pass. Or maybe it's Simeon with the yes to your adventure on mission. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak and highlight now to each one of us where you're inviting us to say yes to you.
And now let's close our time and just respond to God. Can you give him your yes like Mary? And if there's trepidation or doubt or fear, bring that, that prayer that says, yes, I, yes, but help my unbelief or strengthen me, give me the courage, break a lie, whatever it may be. Just have that honest response to God. Dance a new dance like day.